It's good to see you tonight. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I did not ask Brother Mike to sing that last song, but that last song is very appropriate in light of where the message is headed. And so I'm thankful for that. And as we were singing that song, I thought to myself, I wonder how many times we sing songs and we don't really think about what it is we're singing. And uh, I was wondering, I wonder really how precious it is to us that we trust in him. And uh, anyways, we'll get to that thought in a couple of moments. But nonetheless, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Lord, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for each person who is able to be here tonight. Lord, I pray for those who are sick, for those who are struggling right now, that you'd be with them, that you would restore them, that you'd bring them back to us. God, I pray that you'd bless this time now in your word, that you'd use it to speak to our hearts. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may remember that last week we began this study of 2 Corinthians, and in doing so, we watched as Paul began by saying in verse number 3, getting right to the point of things, that God was worthy to be praised, that God was worthy to be blessed, and he explained why God was worthy of the praise. He said, because Jesus Christ is the, and the Father of mercies, and God is the God of all comfort, and so what we noticed is this is that Paul said that God is the God of compassion, he is the God of kindness, he is the God of encouragement, he is the God of strength. And then he went on to say in verse number 4 that he comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And so what Paul was saying to the believers of Corinth was this, is that their suffering and that their tribulation was being used by God that they might know the comfort of God so that they could in turn give comfort to others who were struggling, others who were going through difficulties. And that principle still is true today, that God allows us to experience things so that we might know his comfort, that we might know his mercy, and then in turn we are able to take that experience and be a help and a blessing if we choose to, to others who are going through difficult and trying times. And so it really is, for lack of better words, a good reason for suffering. It's a, a good thing that we can go through that, though we struggle to realize it sometimes, it is good for us to go through that so that we might be a blessing and we might be a help to others. So tonight we're going to move on, and as we do, I'm going to share a story with you. I think, I'm pretty sure that I have shared this story at some point in the past, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's safe to repeat it, okay? So I'm going to share the story and then we will go from there. Last year, when our family was on vacation out in San Francisco, we had gone down to the downtown area, I guess the Bay Area, and we were doing some of the sightseeing down there, and this was on a Wednesday. And we had a church that we wanted to go to that Wednesday evening. We knew where it was located. We knew what time we needed to leave in order to get to the hotel, get cleaned up, change, and then make it to church on time. And so we got done with what we were doing downtown and the sightseeing that we were engaged in. We got in the car, turned on the GPS, everything was good, everything was fine, and we were on our way to the hotel. Now you know this if you ever travel in cities that you're not familiar with, that even with the GPS, sometimes the directions can be a little bit confusing, correct? 
The GPS assumes you know what street is coming up, and the GPS assumes that, that you're going to be able to navigate all this. And so, admittedly, in the midst of trying to get to where we needed to go to get onto the interstate, to get to our hotel, admittedly, we did make one wrong turn. All right, the GPS said turn left. I started to turn left on what I thought was a street. Come to find out it was really just a wide sidewalk, and, and that m messed things up pretty quick, okay? Do not drive down sidewalks in San Francisco. They frown upon that, okay? That said, we put it in reverse real quick, got back on the road, which we never actually left the road, but we put it in reverse and got back on the road, and and pretty soon we were forced to follow the flow of traffic. And, and what we didn't realize at the time was this, is that they had had an emergency downtown and it was forcing the authorities to reroute traffic and the congestion at that time of day was just unbelievable because of how they were rerouting everyone. And so I don't think I'm exaggerating whenever I say this, that we probably spent the next two and a half hours and traveled maybe a mile and a half to two miles just trying to get to interstate. And so I just want to stop here and make this very simple point that will play into the rest of the message, and that is this. I found myself in a position I didn't really want to be in. You understand that, don't you? I found myself in a position I did not really want to be in, and really, to a great extent, to no fault of my own. Yes, there was that one mistake. Yes, there was that one blunder that I made. But really, outside of that, the rest of it was out of my control, and I was just kind of going with the flow of things and, and where I was forced to go. And so I'm in this position that I did not want to find myself in, to no fault of my own. And I've got to be honest and tell you, I was not the picture of the most understanding of husband and father figure. Maybe you can or cannot identify with that, but I would just say this, there were moments in the car where there was some tension. Some moments in the car where the kids and Susie understood probably ought not say anything right now. Let's just be quiet and let dad work through the traffic. Have you ever been there? Amen. It's no fun to be there, is it? So I found myself in a position I didn't want to be in, really to no fault of my own. And i got to be honest and tell you, I struggled with my attitude in the midst of that situation. Now tonight, we'll come back to that in a couple of moments, but I want to remind us tonight as we get into this message because of where it's headed, where it's going, I want to remind us that the Apostle Paul, as revered as he is and as much as he deserves the respect that he receives, the Apostle Paul was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. The Apostle Paul had sins, the Apostle Paul had struggles, the Apostle Paul failed, the Apostle Paul never tried to hide that truth, he never tried to disguise it. The Apostle Paul was extremely honest in his humanity and his own personal struggles. He was not specific as to what his struggles were, but he let it be known in his writings that he was not perfect and he never suggested to anyone that he was. 
So as we keep all that in mind, I want us to look in verse number 5. And as we go through these verses, understand that we're going to run through some of these fairly quickly. Then we'll get to a particular verse in just a couple of moments, and we're going to kind of park there for a little bit. So in verse number 5, he says this, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ or through Christ. So what does this statement mean that the Apostle Paul makes? Well, continuing with the theme of what we looked at last week and continuing with this subject of suffering, here is what Paul said in verse number 5, that the sufferings associated with his service of Christ, they were abounding. So it's not as though things had gotten particularly easy or that things had really softened up in the spiritual life, but what he was saying is this, is that whenever you considered or whenever he considered the sufferings associated with Christ, he said they were abounding or they were increasing and they were multiplying. He went on to say this, though, that as the sufferings of Christ abounded in them, he said, so our consolation or our encouragement or our strength also aboundeth by or through Christ. So what is he saying? He is simply saying this, that with the sufferings of the Christian life also came a matched and equal measure of God's comfort, God's encouragement, and God's strength. So what Paul is saying is this, is that the sufferings never outmeasured or outnumbered the comfort or the consolation of Christ. Now if you think about that, here is what we know. We know that that statement still rings true for you and I tonight. You and I have never experienced more suffering than we have known the grace of God. For every trial that a person has known, for every suffering, for every tribulation, for every difficult time that an individual has known in their walk with God, the grace of God and the comfort of God and the consolation of God, it has always been equal or as great as the suffering as the, the person was experiencing in their Christian walk. Thought that might excite some of us, but it doesn't have to. Just, just think about that. The grace of God has never been short-paced in comparison to the sufferings that someone was experiencing. That's never happened to us where we were like, well, we're long on suffering but short on consolation. No, when the suffering was present, the consolation and the comfort and the strength and the encouragement of God was always equal to the suffering that we have known. It has always been that way. And so Paul is simply declaring the faithful grace and comfort and consolation of God through Christ. He goes on to say in verse number 6, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation or deliverance, which is effectual, which just means this, which is manifest or made known or on display, in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So what is Paul saying in verse number 6? Well, he's just saying this, that whether we are afflicted or whether we are consoled, here is what it's doing. It is producing the same result in your life, and that is encouragement for you and strength for you and deliverance for you. So Paul is saying whatever it is we're going through, it serves as an aid in your walk with God as well. 
So in verse number 7, he says, And our hope of you is steadfast. It's unmoving. It's unwavering. So what does it mean whenever he references his hope or their hope of the believers of Corinth? Well, it just means this is what we have placed our trust and our confidence in as it relates to you that it is unmoving. He says, knowing that ye, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. So Paul is just emphasizing this point over and over and over. Corinthian believers, to the extent that you are partakers of the suffering, we are confident and unmovable in this as it relates to you that you will also be the partaker of the consolation of God. So Paul is trying to encourage them, it seems. Paul is trying to help them to understand this, that so long as you know suffering, you will also know consolation. So in verse number 8, with all that being said, it's kind of interesting. The Apostle Paul changes gears on them and changes directions. And he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. So he says, I want you to be aware of something. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to be mindful of the trouble or the affliction which came to us in Asia. Notice that all of this is plural. It was not just Paul who experienced this. It was everyone who was traveling with Paul at this time. So he said, I want you to be aware of the trouble that came to us in Asia. Well, what was the trouble that they experienced? Well, he's not specific in verse number 8, so that only leads to speculation. But here is what we know. He says in verse number 8, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. So whatever it was that they, Paul and the others, experienced there in Asia, here is what he says. He said that we were pressed out of measure. What does it mean to be pressed out of measure? It means this, kind of in a sense, if we could visualize it this way, it's kind of like they felt like they had been put in the vice of life, so to speak, and the vice just kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. What does it mean whenever he says it was above strength? It just means this, that in and of himself and in and of themselves, they did not have the strength to endure what it was they went through. So the pressure was great. The pressure was intense. The pressure was unrelenting. It was something that was beyond their normal strength for them to be able to endure it. And he said, in so much that we despaired even of our life, Paul said this, we truly thought we were going to die. That whatever this situation is, Paul and the others did not see themselves getting out of that situation alive. Now, if you think about this for just a moment, I think this becomes relatively clear relatively quickly. That Paul and whoever was with him at this time found themselves in a position they'd rather not be in. 
again, this doesn't take a lot of study. This doesn't take a lot of research and a lot of, a lot of struggle in our thought process to come to this conclusion. Here is Paul in a position where he says, We were pressed out of measure. We were above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. This is a position that Paul absolutely would not have wanted to find himself in. And I'll say more about this in just a moment. But I want us to be aware of this, that he was in this position not because of anything that he had necessarily done to find himself in that position. Was the Apostle Paul perfect? No. Did the Apostle Paul have his own struggles like anyone else? Yes. But is the Apostle Paul's actions responsible for the position that he and the others found themselves in there in Asia? The answer is no. But if we look down in verse number 10, here is what Paul said, "...who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, yet also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf." And so. Paul and the others had experienced the deliverance of God and the grace of God and all of this. And he said, because of the prayers of others, there were many to be thanked on their behalf. So here's the Apostle Paul referencing himself along with others and the sufferings that they knew in Asia that pressed them, that did so above strength, and that caused them to be despaired even of life. But it wasn't because of what he had done or they had done that produced it. How do we know? Verse number 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That is what should have happened. This should have taken our lives. This should have destroyed us. This is what the outcome should have been. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. But notice that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God which raiseth the dead. What does it mean whenever he speaks of trusting in themselves? It means this, to place your confidence in something or to be persuaded of something. So here is the Apostle Paul with his companions. In this situation, they would have rather not found themselves in to no fault of their own, but all of this was allowed for this purpose that they might be reminded that they should not trust or place their confidence in themselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. So what does that mean? It means this. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about this situation that God used in our lives to serve as a reminder to us that our trust and our confidence and what we are persuaded on, He allowed us to go through this 
that we might be reminded we cannot place our trust in ourselves. Our trust and our confidence and what we put our security in and what we are persuaded in, it must be of God. So Paul, why did you go through this? Well, it wasn't because of sin in my life. It wasn't because of any particular thing that we had done. God was trying to remind us, you trust in me. Whenever the pressure is great, whenever it's above strength, whenever you think you're going to die, here is what you do. You trust in me and not yourself. Apparently, Paul and the others just needed that simple reminder, trust me. Learn to trust me completely and entirely in whole You learn to trust me at the end of the day and not yourself. So think about that tonight. I want us to think about the simple truth. The simple truth is this, is that you and I are no more perfect than the Apostle Paul. You're aware of that, correct? You and I are no more perfect than the Apostle Paul. Every one of us have sin. Every one of us have struggles. Every one of us have issues. There's no denying such a truth. That being said, if you and I are honest, here is what we would have to admit. That there are plenty of times in our lives where we find ourselves in positions we would rather not be in. But if we were honest, we would have to admit We know exactly why we're in that position, and it's because of our own foolishness and our own ignorance and our own sinfulness controlling our flesh. Would we agree with that? I don't know about you, but I can look back over the course of my life and I can see instance after instance after instance after instance of times where I found myself in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the only person I could blame is myself because it was my foolishness and my immaturity or my ungodliness that got me into the mess I found myself in. I was the one who made that decision. I was the one who made that call. I was the one who acted that way. And so the the fact that I am there, that's on me. But I think tonight all of us could say this as well. That though there have been plenty of times where the sufferings have come because of our own foolishness and sinfulness, there have also been many times where issues have arisen that we'd rather not be dealing with, and we could honestly say that by the grace of God, we did not do anything to get ourselves there. We would agree with that, correct? You look at this and you say something to this effect. I'm not the one who made that decision. Yes, I get to deal with the consequences of it, but I'm not the one who made the decision. 
I'm not the one who made the call on that. I'm not the one who who caused that to happen. I'm not the one who did that to my body. I'm not the one who who caused the, the slowdown in the economy. Whatever it may be, there are many times that we find ourselves in positions that we'd rather not find ourselves in. And we can honestly say before God and man, I know that I'm not perfect, but at the same time, it was not my sin that got me here. So then we have to ask ourselves this question. Well, then why am I here? If this is not a self-inflicted wound, then why am I here? If this is not a self-inflicted wound, then why am I dealing with this? If this is not the result of my own foolishness, if this is not the result of my own, my own immaturity and my own ungodliness, then why am I dealing with this? You know what I think we would, we would help ourselves with if we would remember this truth? That sometimes God allows us to be in positions that press us, that take our strength to their greatest level, so much so that we may even despair of life sometimes, maybe not literally, but figuratively. We might serve ourselves well to remember this, that sometimes God allows that to happen so that we're reminded, don't trust yourself. Don't place your confidence in yourself. Don't be persuaded that you are capable of handling every situation that comes your way. Because if we're honest, that tends to be the nature of mankind, does it not? We get into this way of thinking, especially when things are good, we, we get into this way of thinking that we are self-sufficient, we are self-reliable, and we are capable of doing whatever needs to be done. And then all of a sudden, God brings something into our lives, and it knocks us back, and we realize, I am not as capable as I thought I was. So why do we go through these times? Why do we go through these situations? Why are there these scenarios where it just seems like the wind has been taken out of our cell and, and we have no desire to press forward? Why does God allow that to happen? To remind us, you can't do this. You don't have the strength to do this. You're not capable. You don't have all the resources available to you. And what I am trying to teach you is that you need to trust God more than yourself. It's like God says to us from time to time, All right, big britches. It's time I remind you that you can't do it. And you're going to have to trust completely and solely upon me. All right, big shot. You think you know how to handle this and you think you've got all the answers for this and, and you think you're prepared and equipped for anything that would come your way? Let me just remind you. You're not. Why does God allow it? 
just to show us you can't afford to trust in yourself. You must trust in me. I don't know about you, but that's not what I necessarily enjoy doing. Only trust him. The song that we just sang, I wish I could remember all the lyrics just off the top of my head right now, but, you know, I, I mean, it sounds so good in song form, does it not? But make me live it, and you know what I'm doing? I'm not enjoying it near as much. Because if I'm honest, I don't really want to be completely dependent upon God. Because that is a painful, difficult, uncomfortable place to find myself in. And so tonight as we wrap this sermon up, I'm just going to conclude with a couple of thoughts. You can apply this however you need. You may sit here tonight, first of all, and say something like this, Brother Kyle, I'm doing good right now. There's no issues really to speak of. Things are going fine, relatively speaking. I mean, yeah, we have our speed bumps every once in a while, but I mean, you know, overall, things are going good. I'm just going to say what I've said so many times before. That's wonderful. It's a blessing, and there's nothing wrong with being in that stage of life. So if that's where you're at, and if you'd say, Brother Kyle, there, there's nothing really affecting me right now. There's no real affliction that I'm dealing with of any sort. So, Brother Kyle, this message isn't really for me tonight. I, I would say I, I'm happy for you. Sincerely, I'm happy for you. But you may sit here tonight, and you may have to say something like this. Brother Kyle, I, I, I'm kind of in a tough spot right now. But I'd have to be honest and admit it's a self-inflicted wound. The reason I'm here is because of a mistake I've made, a choice I've made, decisions I've made, whatever it may be, and I know why I'm here. Somebody else may say something like this. I'm in a tough spot right now, and I've asked the Lord to show me why. What, what happened? What did I do? And to this point, nothing's been revealed. You may be sitting here, maybe not tonight, but maybe throughout the day you were entertaining the question, or, or maybe last night as you went to bed you were entertaining thoughts similar to this. Why is it this way? Why are things going like this right now? What is happening? Listen, it might be that we need to be reminded that the reason we're going through this isn't because of anything in particular we've done, but because God's trying to remind us one more time. You trust me and not yourself. I want all of your trust. I want all of your confidence. I want to be what you are fully persuaded of and fully convinced of. I want to be that person, not you in your own life being that person. And so tonight you may need to be reminded that what you're going through, again, not anything that you've brought about yourself, but this is one of those moments where you've got to learn to trust him.
completely and fully with your whole heart. It may be that we just need to say, you know, Lord, I can't do it. It's got to be you doing it through me and then leave it there. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening, Lord, I pray that you would use this message, God, to be a help, to be an encouragement to whoever may need it. God, I know that for myself it was certainly needed, and so I thank you for it. And Lord, again, if anyone else would need it tonight, I would be grateful for that. But God, would you help us to remember that you are constantly trying to drive us to you rather than for us to be complacent in self-sufficiency. So I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.